Well, take your Bible. Open it up with me this morning to Joshua chapter 2 as we just continue learning from the testimony of Old Testament men and women. And this morning, we're going to take a look at uh, the testimony of Rahab. And if Rahab were with us this morning and she gave her testimony to us, we're going to look at five things that she would tell us about grace. Grace is the most wonderful word in our faith. Grace means that God gives to us what we could never deserve. In fact, it means that he gives us the exact opposite of what we deserve. That he gives to us what we have no right to expect. That he gives to us grace that changes our life. That's Rahab's testimony to us. I want you to read just a few verses in the beginning of, of uh, Joshua 2, but keep your Bible open. We'll be looking at a large part of it. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. If, 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 if Rahab were to speak to us about the grace of God, a lot of things she would tell us, but the first thing that she would tell us is that God's grace can save the worst of sinners. Rahab is called here and called again in uh, Hebrews 11, the prostitute. The Bible doesn't airbrush or try to cover up Rahab's sin. It just presents us to her as she really was. She was the prostitute. Now, there are some things that we know about Rahab. Let me just give you five, uh, four of them. Number one, we know that Rahab was a woman who lived in a culture that mistreated, abused, took advantage of, and that uh, uh, looked down upon women. Also, there are a lot of places where that's still true in our lives. If you go into much of the Mideast, you'll see that women are viewed as being inferior. They're subject to their husband. You know what a Muslim man has to do to divorce his wife? He just has to look at her and say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you three times, and she is cast out. Did you know that a testimony of a woman in a Muslim court is worth just one-tenth of the testimony of a man? Here is Rahab, and she lived in that kind of culture. I am so thankful 
that you and I celebrate the gospel that elevates women. I mean, it is Jesus that puts women on a pedestal and says to husband, your wife is not just something for you. In fact, you exist for your wife because you are to love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Men, you are to love your wife with a sacrificial and a serving love. But Rahab grew up in just the opposite culture. She was just an object for men. Secondly, we know that Rahab grew up in a pagan religion. Pagan religion always promotes sin. When it says Rahab the prostitute, she was probably a temple prostitute in her pagan God's place of worship. And, 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 and paganism always promotes great immorality. The third thing that we know is that Rahab was shackled in an immoral lifestyle. She was held by chains, but we also know that she was hungering for something better. That's why Joshua 2 is all about the salvation of Rahab and how God is going to take her shame and move change, transform it into a testimony of his life-changing grace. I mean, as you go through Genesis or, or Joshua 2, you have the testimony that God's grace can save anyone. There's not anyone too sinful, not anyone too far away. Uh, Romans 5, 20 says that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And that is the testimony of Rahab's life. Do you know why lost people act the way that they do? <laughs> because they're lost. And the only thing that will change their lives is coming to know Jesus. And so Rahab stands as that testimony. In fact, if Rahab were here with us today and she were to give her testimony and you were to ask her, what's your favorite song? I would imagine she would say it's something like, God, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that pardons and cleanses within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. The second thing that Rahab would tell us is that grace comes through faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Rahab expresses this faith. She talks about hearing of the greatness of God. Look down in, in verse 8. It says, Before the men lay down, she came up to them 
uh, on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all of the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who uh, uh, were beyond the Jordan to uh, Shion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no more spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, here is Rahab, and she has heard of the mighty redemption of God of the children of Israel out of Egypt. She has heard of God's mighty power providing them with deliverance through the Red Sea and overcoming their enemy. And while everyone else hears it, their hearts melt, she has come to the conviction that the Lord God, that Jehovah Elohim, the God of Israel, is the true and living and only and redeeming God. She came to faith by hearing the gospel. Can I tell you that not everyone that hears the gospel will be saved? Everyone in Jericho had heard the same thing. It's only Rahab who comes to a commitment to the Lord. But I know this, no one can be saved without hearing the gospel of God's grace. She hears it and she believes. That belief takes action because the king of, uh, of Jericho hears that they're spies and she comes to, Rah comes to Rahab and asks, where are they? And, and Rahab said, well, they're not here. They, 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 they fled. They've gone that away. And the king goes that away, pursuing them. And she's hidden them on the roof. She's delivered them. And she, that's going to be key, we're going to see later on. I want you to know, real faith takes action. Real faith has an outward expression. James says, show me your faith without works. You can't do it. If you believe something, it's more than just intellectual. It is the commitment of your life, he says, and I'll show you my faith by my works, what I do. I uh, was in seminary and uh, pastored New Providence Baptist Church at Buckeye, Arkansas. Any of you ever been to Buckeye, Arkansas? Now, you don't go there unless you mean to, do you? I mean, you've got to know where it is. But it was, a, it was a, a church that was a loving family, and it was in a community where uh, I, I would leave on uh, Monday evenings and drive down to Little Rock and live with 10 preachers 
and then drive back on Friday afternoon to live with my wife, which was a whole lot better. But the, but the field was such that I could visit every lost person in that community once a month on Saturdays. And there was a fellow by the name of Harold. And I'd go by and, and visit with Harold. And I'd share the gospel with him. And as I would share the gospel all the way through, he'd say, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Yeah, I believe Jesus rose from the grave. Well, Harold, do you want to trust Jesus? And he said, no. Every once a month, it was the same thing. Go through the gospel. I believe that. I believe that. Do you want to be saved? No. And we were in a theology class with old Dr. Milliken. Dr. Milliken just, you know, kind of wore his glasses down like that and, and, and talked like that. And so we were talking about faith, and so I brought up Harold. And I said, he keeps saying, I believe, I believe, I believe, but when it comes to trusting Jesus, he won't do it. What's going on? And Dr. Milliken looked over those glasses and says, but don't you see, he really didn't, doesn't believe. Because if he really believed, he'd flee to Jesus. Now that's what Rahab does. She comes to that place of deep, abiding, saving, trusting faith. It's not just believing about, but it is risking all of your life on. Faith is the only way anyone comes to what God did in providing our salvation in the death of his son on the cross and his resurrection. Because here's the next point. Grace comes only by the blood of Jesus. The Two spies, because of Rahab's faith, say to her, there'll be salvation for you. When we leave, you, or when we come to Jericho, you let down a scarlet cord, and we will know that it's you, and you'll be saved. I want you to know, that scar cord speaks of the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1.7 says that in him, that is in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. That is the forgiveness of our trespasses in the riches of his blood grace you and I anyone everyone regardless of what sin they have committed regardless of how gross they have lived can be saved because Jesus on the cross was our sin bearer and God the Father judged all of our sins in the body of his son 
so that in holy love he could forgive sinners like you and me. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. As you read Joshua 2, the spy said, when we come again, when we come against Jericho, let down the scarlet cord. But but you you come down to uh, verse 21, and, and the spies leave, and as soon as they leave, she lets down the scarlet cord. I mean, she's ready. I, I trust Jesus with all of my heart. Fourth thing that Rahab would tell us about the grace of God is that God's grace can save your family. Rahab, when she talked to the spies, interceded for her family. Look at verse 12. Now, she says to the, the, the spies, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver them from death. She interceded for her family's salvation. But it wasn't enough for her just to intercede. She had to share the message because the spies say to her, you let down the scarlet cord and everyone who is gathered in your house, your father, mother, brothers, sisters, all that belong to them, their children, and, and your nephews and nieces, they'll all be saved. But if anyone goes out of your house, they will be destroyed. Now, we're not directly told that Rahab shared this, but when you get to chapter 6, Rahab and her family are the only ones that are saved. And her whole household, her whole family is saved by the grace of God. Then there's one last thing that Rahab would tell us about grace. The story of Rahab absolutely mind-boggling when you realize that the lowliest sinner can be an important member in the family of Jesus. Because hundreds and hundreds of years after Rahab's salvation, her name appears in the first chapter of the Bible. Matthew 1. And she's only one of two women who are named in the genealogy of Jesus. That's huge because genealogy is normally through 
the male. But you come down and, and, and you read in verse 6, And Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. <laughs> Here is Rahab. The prostitute whose life has been transformed, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. She has trusted Jesus. Her family has come to faith. And now she is listed in the genealogy of Jesus. You know why? Jesus said, sit well, people don't need a doctor, but sick people. And I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, let me just give you three takeaways from the story of Rahab. There will only be unworthy people in heaven. And they'll be there for one reason, God's grace. <coughs> Nobody's going to strut into heaven singing Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. The only way anyone's going to come is simply saying, to thy cross I cling. Now, that's good news to those who need to be saved. And if you're here this morning and you've never experienced God's grace in your life, you've never come to that place where you've said, Lord Jesus, I know, I believe, I'm convicted in depths of my heart that you died for my sins, you rose from the grave, you're the living, life-giving Lord, I repent of my sins, I believe and I trust you, I give my heart and life to you. I want you to know, whoever you are, he'll save you today. Two, that fact that, that we've all received God's grace is the reason for rejoicing for believers. It's the reason we gather and worship. That's why there's astonishment and awe in our worship because God has poured out his riches in grace upon us. And then... The fact that we've all received God's grace, nobody will be in heaven apart from God's grace, is the message that you and I go and tell everyone. There's no one, no one, no one too sinful, too far away for the grace of God. Last night, I always send a Twitter of prayer for my pastor. 
And as I was going through it, I ran across this tweet. Christian. And it's Christian at living for Jesus Christ. And she writes, saved by grace, ex-adulterer, ex-alcoholic, ex-bisexual, ex-liar, ex-manipulator, ex-prostitute, ex-sex addict, ex-stripper. What has Jesus delivered you from? Wow. Wow. Several years ago, Southern Baptist Convention met in Las Vegas. And that Sunday, I went to uh, the First Baptist Church of Las Vegas down on the Strip. And they had a unique purpose. And that was to reach people on the Strip. And you walked into that church, and here's the testimony of people. I was a gambling addict. But Jesus changed my life. I was a prostitute on the strip, but Jesus changed my life. I was an alcoholic, but Jesus changed my life. And they just were after the people bound in sin with the gospel. And I tell you, there's no one too sinful for the grace of God. There's no one sin that's greater than the blood of Jesus. There's no one that cannot be saved. But if they're going to be saved, somebody like you and me has to share the gospel with God's grace. And I, that's why I think God takes uh, Rahab from the shackles of her immorality to the reprobation of her pagan religion, from the shame of her abusive culture, and transforms her life and says, She's involved in the coming of Jesus. Just to say to us, you and I don't look at people down long pointed nose or point fingers at them. We just go share Jesus.